It's good to see you again and to be back with you for a little bit. All of us have seen uh, geese as they fly overhead. If you've not seen them, you've at least heard them as the time would come. And you know, I'm told by those who understand uh, birds and study that kind of thing that what's going on as the geese are going by and making all the noise, all the honking, that they're encouraging one another. That it's an it's a aspect of them encouraging each other and the strongest one moves to the front to leave, you know, the kind of V-shape that they fly in and the strongest one will be in the front leading the group. The weakest ones are somewhere in the middle and sort of that they can be covered by those in front and behind and after a while, the one in front is exchanged for someone else because it's the hardest place to be and they trade places but they're continually making that noise. If you hear them go over, they con- continuously honk, honk, honk all the time that they're doing and what they're doing is being a flock of encouragement. And I want to talk to, to you this morning, I want to share a little bit with you this morning about what it means and why we have the need that we as God's people need to be a people of encouragement. We need to be a people who learn and understand the significance of encouragement in our, in our own lives, but how God wants to use it as a ministry in the lives of a church that we might touch one another, but also that we might reach out into a community. You and I know that we live in a, in a very difficult time, and, and, and the time that we have and what we have together is this because not only of the COVID, but just in a time in general when there's so much need in the world in which we live in. All of us, every single one of us, want to be noticed. We want to feel like we're important. We want to feel like we matter, that our life has meaning to it, that there's some reason for us to be here. We don't want to just be someone that's here by accident and no one notices and no one cares and no one sees the value of our individual lives. We want to be noticed. We want to have a sense of that. And encouragement is noticing one another. The word itself means to put strength into, to put awareness, to put hope, to put renewal into someone's life. And so when you encourage someone, what you're doing is pouring into their life the courage to be who God called them to be, the courage to experience life at its fullest, the courage to understand that their life matters and is significant in God's eyes and should be in one another's eyes as we think about it together and as we look at it. And so we think about encouragement as being that it, it's, it's a it's like an oasis in the desert when, when you come and, and you're thirsty and you long to have that drink. And encouragement becomes that which touches the parched heart that's hurting by loneliness or hurting because of problems in their life or because they feel like no one notices and being a part of them and what's going on. And that word of encouragement is like that oasis, that fresh drink of water that brings hope and in, in, to their life as we look at it and understand that and we want to be about it. You see, I, I think the church needs to understand that we are called, in fact, commanded by Scripture to be encouragers. It's really not an option. If you and I are going to walk with God in the way that God wants us to walk, if we're going to have the right kind of fellowship with Him in our lives, we must be a people of encouragement. We must be a people who genuinely take the practice, make it a part of our lifestyle, and become people of encouragement. We all know people who are good at discouraging. Uh, in fact, too many of us are. We, we find all the fault in people. We find everything that's wrong with everything that's going on. We point out everything that needs to be fixed and everything that's possibly wrong. And that's all that we do is discourage people. We all know people who were discouraged so much in their life that they, they lived up to what people said. You'll never mount to anything. You're not worth anything. And they proved it because no one believed in them. No one was a part of that. I want you to listen to a verse. I would like for you to stand with me. I'm going to read a couple of verses. They're opposite of each other in a sense. But in Psalm 142 in verse 4, there's a scripture that I, it breaks my heart every time I hear it and every time I think about it. And then we're going to look in a passage in, in, in Thessalonians as well. 
But in chapter 142 of the psalm, verse 4, it says, Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. I can't imagine someone feeling that way, and yet I've known people like that just like you have. No one cares for my soul. That ought never to be able to be said in a community in which there are people of faith that dwell there. And yet you and I know that there are people here in Kwana that probably feel exactly that way this morning. No one cares. No one is interested in my life. No one notices that I exist as they look at it. But on the other hand, listen to the command of God. As he speaks to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. As he speaks through Paul, he tells us, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you have also been doing. And so Paul assumes that the Thessalonians, he gives them a command under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He assumes that they have been faithful in encouraging one another. But what he wants them to understand that it's not a momentary thing or it's not a once in a while kind of thing. But it's supposed to be an ongoing practice of their lives that they are to continue doing what they've been doing, encouraging one another. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we take just a few moments to, to look at your word and allow it to speak into our hearts, the great need in our day is the need of encouragement. Father, we, because of the sickness that's going around the world and the things that are happening and the multitude of deaths that come from it and those who have been separated from loved ones for so long and haven't been able to have fellowship with them because of the separation that's required, those who find themselves sitting alone, not sure whether to get out or to get in, and, and Father, all the other issues of the world, the, the, all the violence that we're facing and all the disharmony and disruptions in life, and all the things that are around us, it brings an extreme sense of, of loneliness and sometimes despair in the lives of so many. We know and are told that suicides are up at a higher degree than they've ever been before and continue to rise. We know, Father, that there's just so much desperation in the world around us. And you've brought together a people that you call your people, your church. And you've encouraged us yourself and you've given us the ministry and the gift of the ability to encourage one another and to reach into a lost and dark world and to be that drink of water, that sense of hope, that sense of encouragement that speaks into the life of everyone around us. Father, I, I feel like so often as a church, we, we fail to do that the way we ought to do that. We sometimes are fairly good at giving one another encouragement when we gather but, Father, so many people outside the walls of our churches that, that don't have that sense of fellowship, that don't have that word of encouragement. And I just pray this morning, Father, that as you speak into my heart, as you try to help me to understand and you bring a conviction over my life that, that help me to be a greater encourager, to be more aware and more sensitive to the people around me, that you would help instill within this congregation and with each of the congregations that gather together in your name to be a people of encouragement, to make a difference in the community that they live. So speak into our hearts your encouragement and then let that encouragement move through us to be encouragement to others, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, we, we need encouragement. I, I, as we look at it and as we see and understand that, we live in a world that's built basically on selfishness. Everything's about me and what I want and what I need and the things that are there. And yet at the same time, as I've already mentioned, 
there is a, a longing, a despair, a loneliness, a sense of unworthiness that dwells in our world. People are looking for meaning. They're looking for significance. They're looking for a reason to live out their lives. And you and I have been called by God to be a people of encouragement as we look at it. And so we ought to be a church. You ought to be a church that is known for your encouragement, for the way that you reach out and touch the lives of others and encouraging them. You ought to know that. See, this place ought to be a place that people come and knowing here I will find encouragement if I don't find it anywhere else. Here I will meet with God's people and they will bring encouragement into my heart. They'll bring hope into my heart. They'll bring help into my life. And when you pray for one another as you've done and you sing together as you do the things that you're doing, you're encouraging each other. But that encouragement needs to move beyond the walls, as I mentioned in our prayer, to, to the world outside of us, to the opportunity that we have to touch people's lives and to make a difference, to be a part of that. We want people to listen to the gospel. We need to make them understand that they matter, that they, they have value, that they have importance, that they mean something to God and they mean something to us. And every one of them do, not because of what they can give back to us, See, if the only reason you and I encourage each other is because we want to be encouraged back from another, or we want to receive something from you. We want you to do something for us, and so we offer you something. That's, that's not encouragement. Encouragement has to be given willingly and freely to people because that's who you are as a, as a person of God, as look at it. So three or four things I want to bring out as we look at this and as we think together about it. We ought to be a church or a people of encouragement because it's an urgent need in the world in which we live. It is desperately needed. It's needed among students in schools. You'll find if you were to walk through the halls of the schools, there are students after student after student that feel isolated, feel that they don't fit in, that they're not part of the in-group, that they're not part of what's going on, and they feel like they're not a part. They, they need encouragement. We look around us and we see throughout the town, there, you've got families, you've got people in this community who find themselves wondering if their lives matter, if anybody really cares about them at all. They're... they're trying to get through life day by day. And we sometimes are guilty of pointing to them and saying, well, if they really wanted to make anything in the sins, they could. I did. But that's not what God calls us to do. It's not for you and I to make judgments about people and where they are and what they are. It's for us to be a people of God who love them and encourage them and strengthen them and pour into their lives hope and strength and courage to maybe be what they could be if someone believed in them enough and helped them enough in the case that would be on. We desperately need encouragement in the world in which we live in a part of that time. And one of the greatest gifts that you and I can give each other is rapt attention to one another. You all know how it feels, I'm sure, or at least your wives do, to talk and not be paid attention to. To speak and nobody's listening. We've all been there. Uh, sometimes our children think that's how we are as parents. They're trying to tell us how the day was at school, and we're tired. We've worked all day long. We've done this, and we've done that, and we want to watch the news on TV, or we want to just relax for a little bit and not have anything going on, and they try to get our attention, and they work at it, and, and they try to do it because they want us to hear what's saying. They want us to pay attention to them, and the gift that you have is that you can make someone believe they matter when you listen when you give them your attention, when they know that you, they matter enough to you that you'll stop whatever you're doing and that you'll listen to them when they're speaking to you, that they'll pay attention to who you are. That's a great gift. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. 
when, when, we're, when we're overcome with life and with all the things that are there, it, it weighs our heart down. It causes us to struggle with everything. But God says a good word, which is talking about encouragement, a good word will make the heart glad. It'll lift it up from where it is. How many people do you know right now, if you were to just begin to name them off, how many people do you know right now that need a word of encouragement, that need someone to say to them, you matter, you are important, I want you to know God loves you. And I want you to know that I care about you. And I want to, I'm going to pray for you. I want to be a part of that. See, it's an urgent need that we have. All of us know how much it means to us to be noticed, to be made aware of, to have someone care enough about us to pay attention to who we are and to think that we matter, to pray for us by name and to offer us encouragement and strength. How much that helps us feel. As we look at it, it's a great need in our day, but we ought to be a church of encouragement also because of the fact that it is, the prior, it is a priority of God. God believes in encouragement. God teaches encouragement. God practices encouragement. And God encourages us, or in fact commands us, as I mentioned earlier, to be encouragers as we look at it. We look throughout the Bible. We could go, if we had time this morning, verse after verse, numerous verses that we could find that talk about God being an encourager. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We see there that God encourages those who are in need, who have things in their life, and that encouragement that he gives to us is to be an encouragement that we then in turn use to encourage other people, that God encourages us. Second Thessalonians reminds us that Jesus Christ is an encourager, that he, along with his Father, encouraged. The Holy Spirit is talked about in John 14 and John 16 as being an encourager, that Jesus said, I will leave him, and he will be an encourager. So he talks about the paraclete. It's one who's called along beside. That's what it means to be an encourager. Called along beside by God to stand side by side with someone, to encourage someone, to strengthen someone, to pour hope into someone that they might find significance in their life, that they might get through the day when they didn't know whether it was worth living. Your word might be the one word that makes all the difference in the world in that day in someone's life and gives them a hope about what's going on in their life. The Bible tells us, Jesus I mean, the Lord tells us about, command, about encouraging one another. You'll remember if you read through the scripture that God told Moses, I want you to encourage Joshua. He's taking on a big step. He's fixing to take your place as the leader of this nation. And he told Moses specifically, you pour courage into Joshua. You encourage Joshua. You help him to see that I will be with him and be a part of that. Then God encouraged Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1 when he says to him, don't be afraid. I will be with you. And he says it over and over again in chapter 1. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. God is a God of encouragement. He wants to speak the same kind of word to you and to me as we look at it. God used Jonathan to encourage David. You'll remember there was a time when Jonathan snuck out of his own camp against his father's will and, and command, and he went into the camp of David with the risk of losing his own life because he was the enemy as far as all David's men were concerned. And he went into David, and he said to him, David, I know you're discouraged. You're running for your life. You, it, you'd like to just give up and wonder if it's worth it or not. But I want you to know that you are going to be the king that you are going to be what God wants you to be. You're going to take your place in there, and I support that. I believe in that. You're God's man. And he encouraged him, even though he was running for his life. He was an encouragement to him in all that he could do and all the things that were going on as we see 
And as we know and understand that, to look and know what's going on, David became, by God's instruction, the encourager to his son Solomon in, the build, in getting ready to build the temple. He poured courage into him and gave him direction and understanding that he was supposed to build the temple, that David wanted to, but he didn't get to, but he poured it into his son. God has laid it up on you. You get to do this great task. And you need to do it by obeying God and walking with God in your statutes. And then, of course, we can move to the New Testament. And we're all aware of a man named Barnabas who was called Barnabas because he was a man of encouragement. That's what he did. He took people that nobody believed in and he encouraged them and helped them to be what God wanted them to be. We see it over and over again. Of course, Paul is the great example of that encouragement in his life as he took him when no one would believe that he genuinely had been saved, that he'd been changed, that something had happened in his life when he encountered God. And Barnabas believed in him and helped him to move forward. He took Timothy, he took Mark, he took others aside and he poured his life into them encouraged and encouraged them that they might know that. And listen to what God says to you. Let me just read a few verses. These are God's word to you as his child that you might understand that he wants to encourage you personally as you look at it. Hear the word of God as he speaks. In Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, the Lord your God will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And in Malachi 3.17, he says, They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And then in Isaiah 49, verse 16, he says, See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. God loves you. And God wants you to know that. He wants you to understand that you matter to him. You're not just a, one of a number. You're not just a part of a group. But you individually matter to God. He, he knows you. He understands you. The Bible says he even knows the number of hairs that are on your head. And that's important. Because that means that when number 33 falls out, he knows that's the one that fell out. It's not just that you're losing some hair. He knows which one. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. He wants you to understand how valuable you are to him. You matter. And if you matter to God, then how much more should you and I be people who take that which he has done in our lives and allow that to work in the lives of other people so that they can understand they matter. You matter. You see, everybody in this room needs to know how valuable you are, not only to God, but to this church, to this body, to one another. You need to know that you matter to this community, that you are God's instrument to make a difference in the lives of people. And God has chosen to work in you and through you to do that. You're to be encouragers. You're to be in the ministry of encouragement, one of the greatest ministries that you have. Bible study is great. And all the meetings that you have, what are the outreaches that you have, and what are the programs that you have are wonderful. You ought to be doing everything and anything and a lot more than we do. But one of the ministries that we fail to take seriously in the body of Christ is encouragement. We need to be encouragers. We need to be people who put life into people and hope into people, who give them the strength to be what they are. You see, it's important that we be that because it's the underlying purpose of the Word of God. If you look in Romans chapter 15 and verses 4 and 5, you'll see there that it'll tell you that the Old Testament has been preserved. Of course, he was writing, that was written during the time when the New Testament hadn't yet come into effect. It was writing during the time of Jesus and Paul and the letters were beginning to be written. But he said the whole testament has been preserved for you that it might be an encouragement to you. That it might help you to know God better and to be encouraged with the word of God and, and the preservation of the truths of God and all that's there as we look at it. And then the New Testament is filled with things <coughs> excuse me, about encouragement 
As we look at it again, let me just read a few verses that remind us that you and I, as New Testament believers, are to be people of encouragement. The Scripture says in Romans 14 and verse 9, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That's encouragement, to build each other up. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Every word we speak toward one another should be edifying, should be lifting up, should be helping one another be what God has called us to be, as we see and understand that Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, in verses 24 and 25, the Scripture says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Scripture says that we are to be encouragers, that we are to use our words, to use our life, to pour life and courage into other people. We're to be careful what we say and how we say it because what we're supposed to be doing is not tearing people down but building people up, not causing people to feel badly about themselves but to lift them up so that they might see that God loves them and that they matter to God. And we are to do that, it says, even more so now in these days that are more difficult than they were as we move closer and closer to the end time, whenever that may be, we are to be sure that we're speaking courage into one another. We're to be sure that we're in helping one another know how to live out our faith in difficult times. When it's hard, when everything seems to be against us, we need to know that we can depend on each other to help stand strong and to be the people of God that we've been called to be. We need to encourage one another. It's a word of God as we look at it. And it has, it's a, another reason is because it has a common, it gives us a common opportunity to begin a never-ending process. See, when you encourage someone, you start something that we may you never know how it comes to an end, how it might result, all the things that will come from it. Maybe you've seen that commercial on TV where it shows that someone doing a kindness for someone, maybe opening a door for someone going through, or maybe they reach down and pick up something somebody dropped or whatever it may be as they came. But someone's watching and they observe this kindness that's being done. And as they do and observe that, the next scene shows them in turn taking an opportunity to do something kind to someone else because they were inspired by that act of kindness that went along. And, and then that inspires someone else. And it just keeps on going. Seeing that action made someone else act that way, and it keeps going. That's what you and I ought to be. We ought to be the kind of people who stimulate kindness, who stimulate encouragement. When you encourage someone, you pour into their heart the courage they need to be the life, live the life that God's called them to be, and then you give them the strength to encourage someone else. That's what God said in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, I told you about a moment ago, is that, that we are encouraged by God to not only that we might have what we need in the time of our need, but that we will take that encouragement ourselves and pour it into someone else, that we will use it to touch someone else's life, that we'll use it to help them be what they can be. I had a dear friend whose daughter was killed in a car wreck not too long ago, and, and it, their, their lives have been 
just almost shattered. They've struggled so much with it, especially the mother in dealing with it. But they've, they've covenanted together and they've said, we, we need to take this as God is speaking into our hearts, as he's bringing people to comfort us and, and to help us. We need to take that and we need to use this in order that we can maybe understand people who are going through what we're going through better than we ever would have before so that we can encourage them in the ways that we've been encouraged. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to encourage you in every moment of your life, but he wants you to use that, not selfishly, so you can just hold in and absorb everything that God's given you, but rather that you might take that and pour it into the life of someone else who desperately needs to be loved, who desperately needs a word of encouragement, a word of being lifted up and helping being a part of that as we look at it. We never know. See, to the world, you and I might just be one person. But to that one person, you might be the world. You might be the only one that has cared enough to speak a word of encouragement, that's cared enough to speak a word of hope, a word of love, a word of forgiveness, something that could change their life forever to say to them, you matter, you matter. Your life has value and worth and you matter to God and through God I want you to understand you matter to me and I want to lift you up and I want to hold you before God that you might know all that God has for you and being part of it. We need to understand that we are called to be a congregation, a body, a church of encouragement. Every one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ have an obligation before God to encourage every one of us and everyone we come in contact with. We need to look for opportunities to encourage people. We need to look for chances to do things, ways that we could do it, and things that we could be a part of in touching their lives as we look at it and share with it and being a part of it. I want to close with a story. I usually hand something out when I share this story, but since we're in this time of COVID and not supposed to necessarily touch things, I'm not going to do that. But I want to tell you a story about the land of Swabidu and the Swabidudas. Swabidu is a, country, is a little land of little people of Swabidudas, and they love each other very much, and wherever they go and everything that they do, they just kind to of one another, and when they greet one another, they have a warm fuzzy, and they give them a warm fuzzy to one another. Good morning, how are you? Here, have a warm fuzzy. And they take that, and everybody enjoys getting a warm fuzzy. I mean, who doesn't want a warm fuzzy in their life? And so they take it in all their life, throughout all their history. That's how they've been known, all these swabby doodahs. Every time they meet one another and see one another, they greet each other, and they always pass out swabby doos, I mean, one fuzzies to one another. Have a good morning. Have a party their birthday. They get them for every occasion. Every time they meet, they just hand out warm fuzzies, passing them out, because it just feels good, and it makes you feel good. It makes your day whenever you get a warm fuzzy from someone. But there's an old troll that lives up in the mountains above the village of Swabidoo. And he's not always that excited about what he goes. He comes to town every once in a while. And when he does, of course, the little Swabidoo does treat him just like they do anybody else. And he, they, whenever they say, oh, Mr. Troll, we're so glad you're in town today. Here, have a warm fuzzy. Have a warm fuzzy. And it just kind of irritates him that they're always so nice and they're always doing those kind of things because he doesn't think they really understand how the world really is and what's going on. And it just bothers him. So... One particular time when he came into town, he decided he would just challenge what they were doing. And so one of the swabby doodahs came up to him and said, Oh, Mr. Troll, we're so glad, I'm so glad you're here. Here, have a warm fuzzy. And he just looked at him. He didn't take the warm fuzzy. He just looked at the little swabby doodah. And he said, You know, you might want to be careful about handing those out because you never know when you might run out. And then he left. 
Well, no one had ever even conceived of the possibility of running out of warm fuzzies. I mean, they've been giving out warm fuzzies always. It had never been a problem, never been a thought of it. But just that little word, that little, planting that little idea, that seed of doubt in the mind of that one swabby dude, when his best friend came along and he handed him a warm fuzzy and said, hey, it's good to see you again today. Here, have a warm fuzzy. And instead of responding with joy and giving him a warm fuzzy in return, he just looked at him and said, you know, maybe we need to start being more careful about handing these out so freely and doing the things that we do and being part of it. And so it wasn't long before they didn't pass out warm fuzzies anymore. They didn't just give them when they were greeting one another. They almost come to a place where they had to earn them. They began to be where you, they became their financial means. You had to use warm fuzzies to purchase things. They, you had to earn warm fuzzies. You didn't tell your kids that they were good and, and loved them and everything. They had, if they got good grades, you gave them a warm fuzzy. But if they didn't, they didn't get one. They had to earn it. They had to have the right to it as they dealt with it. And more and more, they became more greedy. And more and more, they were not sharing. And they were just piling them up. And suddenly, one of the little swabby doodahs became sick. They had not had any sickness before. They didn't know what it was and what was going on. And, and even beyond that, one of them died. That one that became sick died. And it just, they were shattered. They didn't know what to do. And the troll didn't mean for that to happen. That was not his intent. He, he didn't mean to bring harm. He just wanted them to see how the world really was. It just, it's not a place where everybody's nice. It's not a place where everybody's kind. It's not a place where everything always goes good. They wanted them to wake up and see that. But it didn't mean for anybody to be harmed. He didn't know what to do, how to try to correct what he had done. But in his cave, he had some old cold pricklies. And he decided what he would do is take a batch of those cold pricklies to town the next time he went to town. And he would, hand, and he would start passing those out. And, and so the first Swabby Doodah he met, he gave him a cold prickly. He said, here, have a cold prickly. And the Swabby Doodah was grateful to get it and said, thank you for getting it. But, you know, getting a cold prickly, it's just not the same as a warm fuzzy. I mean, it's cold and sticky. It doesn't feel good. It's not... Something that you can hold to yourself and feel good about. But as he did that, some of the warm, the Swabby Doodahs began to think, you know, maybe we ought to start giving them out again. And, and they would think about it and they'd make a commitment. I'm going to start passing them out one more time. But they never could get back to the place where they could give them out freely without any question because there was always in the back of their mind those doubts and those things that had been created. See, that's what Satan has done for us. God has given us freely love beyond anything you and I can imagine. He's poured out His grace to you and to me in abundance beyond anything we'll ever be able to deserve or appreciate. He's done more for us than we can ever count, according to the psalmist. And He's called us to be free in giving out encouragement, to be free in giving out love, to be free in giving out grace, to be free to share what He's done in our lives. But Satan comes along and tells us, you know, some people don't deserve to be loved. And some people don't deserve to be kind to. And some people don't have a right to the things that you've worked hard for and you've earned in your life, and they shouldn't be able just to get them and expect them to be given. There's some people that just aren't worth your time. And we believed him. And we started putting people in categories. And we started deciding some people have value and some people don't have value. Some people have worth and some don't. Some are significant and some aren't. And we begin to pick out those that we determined were significant, of value and of worth, and we begin to treat them in ways that we felt like we would like to be treated. But those that we deem not worthy, we just ignored. We didn't care. 
And they're dying in their loneliness and in their despair and their hopelessness because the church doesn't care. We don't care. You and I have been called to freely, completely, totally, without expectation of return, to pass out encouragement. To be a people who give it and give it and give it and give it again. Because we can never run out. Because God's encouragement and God's love and God's grace is inexhaustible in all that we have. And that's the power. That's the source from which we draw. So I want to challenge you this morning. You want to see a miracle? Speak a word of encouragement in someone's life. Pray over that word. And watch how God grows it in their heart. And watch it bloom into hope. Into possibility. Into courage. Challenge you to be a church of encouragement. A church of encouragers. Not just here where it's easy. But out there where it's not so easy. We need to be encouragers in all that we do. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we pray together and as we think together, I just ask that you would take your word and speak it into our hearts. I know I need to hear it again and again. I need to be reminded that you have called me to be an encourager. It's so easy to see the false, the negative, the wrong, to see all the problems and things that need to be fixed. And they're there and they're not going to go away just because I speak a word of encouragement or because I try to act in kindness. But it'll make a difference in one person's life. It'll make a difference in one person to be able to know that someone cares and someone notices and someone takes the time to say you're important, you matter. And so, Father, I just would pray that you would teach me and help me to be a better encourager. And that, Father, you would pour it into the life of this church family and church families across our land. That among all the wonderful, great ministries that we may be involved in, one of the most important that we can be involved in apart from sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in itself is a great encouragement, is to tell people they matter, to encourage people, to pour courage into them. And I know this message is not one that maybe some people would think is something that you do on a Sunday morning or in a church. It's not something that needs to be here, but your word is filled with commands to encourage. Your word is filled with illustrations of encouragement. And if we're going to understand and take the Bible for what it teaches and take the whole context of what it is, then we need to realize that one of the most important things you put there is the understanding that you're an encourager and that we, as your children, are to be encouragers in all that we do. So in a moment, as we have a time of invitation, Father, I just pray that you would lead and direct that time in whatever you want to. If there's someone here that needs to respond in some way to your working in their life, the Holy Spirit teaching them, whatever that may be, Father, however they need to respond, I pray that they would. If there's someone here that needs a word of encouragement this morning, I pray that you would help someone to sense that and to speak that word to them. But mostly I pray that you'd help us each one to make a commitment that as we go from this place this morning, that we're going to go with a new determination, with a new desire to be an encourager, to lift people up and to see what we can do to help them know that they matter in all that we do. Thank you for encouraging us in Jesus Christ and for making our lives understood that we matter to you, that you cared enough about us that you died on the cross for us just as you did for every other person. May we share that with the lost world, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.